Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Sorry for the delay, ladies and gentlemen. This is uh, Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God and Biblical Instructional Program. Well, what we're going to talk about today is, uh, I'm sorry for the delay again. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the prophetic song of Moses. And before we get into that, I just want to talk about some important developments uh, in the Middle East. Uh, based on an article that I uh, was able to research over the Internet. It states, uh, Clinton, peace only possible through negotiations. It says, Quartet calls Israelis and Palestinians to meet within month to create formula by which peace talks can proceed. Israel reacts favorably. And it says, the, this is by um, J-Post, or Jerusalem Post, the uh, online uh, Israeli is the best-selling English daily and most-read English uh, website, the Jerusalem uh, Post. And this article is by uh, Tova Azorov. It's dated uh, September 24th, 1021, uh, I guess 1020 uh, Eastern Standard Time. Anyway, it says, uh, Quartet caused Israelis and Palestinians to meet within month to create formula by which peace talks can proceed. Israel reacts favorably. The Quartet of Middle East Mediators on Friday called on Israelis and Palestinians to return to the negotiating table based on a new timeline by which a final status agreement to end the conflict would be reached by December 2012. U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton issued a strong statement in support of the new initiative by the group made up of the U.N., the E.U., the U.S., and Russia, the Quartet, which is pretty interesting. The U.S. is very pleased that the quartet was able to issue a statement with a detailed and concrete proposal to begin the negations uh, with delay or preconditions, said Clinton. The quartet proposal represents the firm conviction that a just and lasting peace can only be achieved through negotiations between the parties, she said. We urge both parties to take advantage of the opportunity to get back to talks, she said. The quartet issued its statement shortly after the Palestinian Authority appealed to the United Nations to grant them full membership in the United Nations. Israel reacted favorably to the quartet proposal and said it was willing to sit down with the Palestinians according to the parameters set up by the quartet. So anyway, it looks like they are, well, actually, let me quote this, at that meeting there will be a commitment by both sides that the objective of any negotiations is to reach an agreement within a time frame agreed to by the parties, but not longer than the end of 2012, which is, again, pretty interesting at that. Uh, many people are saying that the Mayan calendar and all that, something's going to happen December 21st, 2012. It just it seems like whatever someone says up is going to happen, it doesn't happen. So uh, I wouldn't put any credence on that. But uh, we are living in dangerous times, folks, and we have to look at this because this peace is not, it's not going to lead to overall peace. It's going to lead to uh, destruction. So we need to take a look at that, and uh, most of all, we need to take a look at the temple. I encourage anyone who is serious about learning about who the true God is and where he lives at, uh, you should go to templeinstitute.org, and the templeinstitute.org website gives you 
a lot of information about the temple. The temple is the physical representation of really God's home where he lives in heaven. Uh, his throne is in his temple. And in the Bible, symbolically, the temple is called God's house. And that's where he lives. And if you want to know where your father lives at and, and how he lives, uh, I would suggest you study the material on the templeinstitute.org when you have the time in your spare time instead of uh, doing other things that may not be as important. Um, well, actually, other things that I know is not as important as studying who your creator is and, and how he thinks and so forth. So it's templeinstitute.org. Okay, I, I don't have as much time as I usually have because I have to go and, and visit uh, some fellow believers. So uh, I have 54 minutes, so let's go over to the, the prophetic song of Moses today. And this is a very significant um, prophecy. And this is a part of the Torah readings, and this is toward the end of the Torah reading cycle, and then um, after the uh, festivals uh, during the fall months, it goes right back to Genesis which is uh, interesting again. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 32. And let's uh, move above that so I can, you can get a little background to where this is leading. All right, so Deuteronomy, um, before we read Deuteronomy chapter 32, let's get a little background here. And then Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 9, says, Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. So that's Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 9, verse 10. And Moses commanded them, At the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And I did mention that in Zechariah chapter 14, it is revealed that all the nations of the world will keep the Feast of Tabernacles, which means that every seventh year of the biblical calendar, which is another Bible study in itself, every seven years there's a year of release, and during that seven year, during that uh, where Sukkot occurs, uh, what was going to happen is that the entire Torah will be read to all the people that attend. Verse 14, so that proves again that the Torah is not just for the Jews, it's for all of mankind. Anyway, verse 14, And the Lord said to Moses of chapter 31 of Deuteronomy, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourself in a tent of meeting that I may commission him. And Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in a tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in a pillar of a cloud, and the pillar of a cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise in horror after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them. And they will be devoured, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they have done, because they have turned to other gods. So that, that is a pretty interesting development there in regards to that. Now, verse 19, Now therefore write, therefore write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat. Keep in mind of that fat. I'm going to focus on that uh, during this Bible study. They will turn to other gods and serve them. And this is a, a problem we Americans have. 
especially us. I mean, we, we, we forget about God when our tummies are full. When our tummies are not full, oh, God, yeah, God, could please come to me. But when our tummies are full, uh, get the Holy One away from me. That, that, that's our attitude, most of us. So uh, we need to, to, to stop that and repent of it. And he knows that. He, he says here, And they have eaten and full, and are full and grown fat. They will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. That, that's a problem. That's a problem. We, you know, we, we can't have this attitude, well, God, come to me when I need you, and when I don't need you, get, get away from me. And, and that, unfortunately, is, is an attitude that's too prevalent today in U.S. society. Verse 21, and when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring. For I know what they are inclined to do even today, before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. Verse 23, And the Lord commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to give them. I will be with you. Now, when Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book, to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites. Now, the words of the law is from Genesis to Deuteronomy. That was what... Everything that Moses wrote was that, except uh, perhaps the the final uh, few lines uh, in in the book of Deuteronomy, because, of course, he died. Anyway, verse 26 of Deuteronomy, chapter 21. Take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant uh, has the uh, tablets of stone, well, where God had written with his finger the first Ten Commandments. And then, on the side of the Ark of the Covenant is the Book of the Law from Genesis to um, Deuteronomy. Of course, in the Book of the Law, the Ten Commandments are written along with all the rest of them. All right, so in verse 26, Take this Book of the Law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? It's a prophecy that has occurred. Verse 28, Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly and turn aside from the way that I have commanded you. And in the days to come, evil will befall you, because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. Then Moses spoke the words of this song until they were finished in the ears of all the assembly of Israel. And this is chapter 32, verse 1. So that gives you the uh, the background leading to this. This is a song that's prophetic, that will predict their downfall, and then, of course, the good news toward the end, God delivering them. And again, uh, Israel is not just the Jews, folks. It's, it's the United States, Britain, Canada countries in northwestern Europe, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, and, of course, those who believe that, uh, scattered around the world, that believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. This prophecy is for Israel, and it's for the entire world, as you're going to see here in a minute. This is a very powerful prophecy, and I don't really think uh, a lot of people really understand it like they should. So, for proof that Israel, that we are a part of Israel, folks, uh, the United States, because that's where I reside. <clears throat> Please go to www.beasandboyritam.org, www.beasandboyritam.org, Britam.org. Yer Davidi has the, he has the, actually provided the content for this website, and he has proven without a doubt that we are part of the Ten Tribes of Israel, the so-called Lost Ten Tribes of Israel, and and that um, we are part of the people that have the book, that believe in the book. When you understand where all the Bible distributions are located worldwide, 
many of the Bible distribution is in the United States and in those other areas, Canada, Northwestern Europe, and so forth. All right, so anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. All right, so that should tell you right there, this is not just for Israel, but for the entire world to understand. Verse 2, may my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God, the rock, which is symbolic of the Messiah. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Verse 5, they have dealt corruptly with him. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are crooked and a twisted generation. He's talking about the generation after Moses and the generation today. We are a crooked and twisted generation. Verse 6, do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? That's what he calls us. We're foolish and we're senseless. We don't have any sense. It's like I was trying to to explain to this individual he was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. He believes that the law of Moses has been nailed to the cross. And then I quoted him in Leviticus chapter 19, the various laws there, laws about dishonoring your, your parents, laws of, of not allowing your, your daughter to prostitute, laws of paying your employee every day instead of the way they do it in this country, every two weeks or one week, Uh various other laws that are definitely applicable for today. And he says those laws don't apply to Gentiles today. It shows a total ignorance of the law of Moses. A lot of the law of Moses you are keeping today, believe it or not. You don't even realize it, but you're keeping it today. And it has been a, a, a thorough brainwashing by Hasatan or Satan, Hasatan. That, um, the thorough brainwashing is that the law of Moses is just the sacrificial offerings. The law of Moses is not just the sacrificial offerings. It's all the words that God gave Moses. That is the law, or that word translated law in English should be Torah, the teachings and doctrines of Elohim or God. That's what is in the law of Moses. And I quoted this scripture to him in First Kings, and he just had no clue. So the, you know, this this song of Moses is accurate about our people. Most of our, you know, we we want the easy way out. We we don't want to work for salvation. We think that salvation doesn't involve works, and it does, folks. Sure, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's like life is a gift, right? Everything that we have is a gift. Did we earn anything that we got from God? Of course not. So everything that we have is a gift. But that doesn't mean you don't work. He commands us to work six days a week. So just because God gives us everything doesn't mean we just lay back and and uh, just don't do anything because he gives us everything. They, they, they provides everything for us? Of course not. That doesn't make any sense. So how come you can't understand that with, with salvation? Sure, none of us have earned salvation. None of us have earned anything, okay? But you have to prove to him that you believe him. And how do you prove how do you prove to your employer that you agree and believe in his rules? What do you do? Do you just sit there and say, "Hey, hey boss, I, I believe what you do." What do you do? You you actually do the rules, right? Well, it's the same thing with um our heavenly Father. Sure. You you're going to get salvation and all that, but he wants you to do something to convince him that you actually believe him. It's, it's a shame that um, the devil has deceived the whole world in this area. And it's a, it's a very powerful deception. Anyway, 1 Kings 2, verse 3. Tells you what's in all the law of Moses. And First Kings 2, and for any young men who are listening to this, this is how you truly become a man. First uh, Kings chapter 2, verse 1, When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go 
the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. So he, here David, who definitely ended up being a man, uh, is telling Solomon how to be a man. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, and all that is what? Is written in the law of Moses. So that's in the law of Moses. That is scriptural proof. I emailed this scripture to this individual, and he said, well, you know, you proved your case through the scriptures, but but where, where's the but coming from? The but is coming from his denial of wanting to believe the scriptures. And we have to stop doing that. All I do, if anyone of you ever listened to me, I just quote the scriptures. I show you where the scriptures are at. It's up to you to believe those scriptures. And it's up to you to obey those scriptures. I'm not going to make you obey, and God is not going to make you obey either. He says, choose. But you've got to understand something. You've got to be careful about how you choose. If you choose not to obey his commandments, then you are going to be eventually burnt up to a crisp, and you won't exist again. Plain and simple as that. That's what he teaches. Anyway, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Verse 6. Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? So that's what he calls us. It's not he, your father, who created you, who made you and established you. Talking about the father. Verse 7. Remember the days of old. And, you know, I hear this from people, too. They're like, oh, I heard this before. I heard this before. When it comes to the Bible, said, I heard this before. Oh. You know, and God is telling us, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father. And he will show you. That's what a father is supposed to do. He's supposed to be knowledgeable enough to teach his children the truth of God and the Bible. Unfortunately, many fathers in this country don't do that. And that's the reason why we have kids that grow up to be monsters and do terrible things to people. It's like I just heard of, um, I think it was five human beings had their heads cut off and was put in a bag in Mexico somewhere. Okay, that kind of stuff is ridiculous. What were these adults taught? The ones that did that. So anyway, uh, verse 7, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. Verse 8, When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God, but the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted heritage. I'm reading this in the English Standard Version Bible, for clarity's sake. For those who are just familiar with English. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land, and in the howling waste of the wilderness he encircled him. He cared for them. He kept them as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up his nest, that flutters over his young, spreading out his wings, catching them, bearing them on his pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. He made him ride on the high places of the land, and he ate the produce of the field. So he's saying that Israel, Israel, rode on the high places of the land, indicating the best places of the land. And he ate the produce of the field, and he sucked suckled him with honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. We have plenty of oil in this country. We just don't want to dig it up. And I believe also the other reason why we don't want to uh, get oil in our rich land here is because the big companies that not only dominate this country but the world, like ExxonMobil and so forth, they're making a serious profit. Uh from Middle Eastern oil. Anyway, verse 14, Curds from the herd and milk from the flock with fat of lambs, rams of Bashan and goats, with the very finest of the wheat. Yes, we do. We have that. You drank, and this is not just in the land of Israel, folks, but in the other areas of where the other tribes uh, went, the land is, is, is fertile, and we have a lot of, we have the best resources in the world in the, in the geographical areas of the United States, of Canada, of South Africa, that's where a lot of gold is at, right? In New Zealand, Australia is a beautiful country with beautiful animals that you'll never see anywhere uh, in any other area of the world. 
uh, the north, northeastern, northwestern Europe. Britain is so beautiful. Denmark and and, and uh, Sweden and and all those other countries there. Israel is us. That's the richest areas and finest areas of the world are located. With the very finest of the wheat, and you drank foaming wine made from the blood of the grapes. And, of course, Israel is fertile, uh, the land of Israel, the Middle East. It's beautiful. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. This is an important scripture here. i got 34 minutes left. All right. Verse 15. But Jezrun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, stout, and sleek. And after growing fat, then he forsook God who made him and scoffed at the rock of his salvation, which is, of course, the Messiah again. Now, this is a prophecy indicating that our peoples will have a problem with being overweight. We are, all you need to do to identify Israel, folks, and this is pretty simple. I mean, you're a Davidi, you know, I, I respect his research and so forth, and it's great, but there's a simple way to do it. Who are the fattest and the richest people in the world? Okay? Where you locate the fattest and most overweight people and richest people in the world, living in the richest regions of the world, that is Israel. They are a part of Israel, folks. Plain and simple as that. That's how you figure it out. Now, the rest is commentary. <laughs> as far as filling in the details and so forth, that's where your Davidi comes in. But anyway, verse 16, They stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. Verse 17, and I'm talking about the richest. Not, you know, I know some people in Japan are big and fat, but I'm talking about the richest. But, you know, we in this country, in this in this country, United States, we had the most billionaires. We had the most billionaires in the world, right here in this country. Anyway, Japan can't say that, and neither can the other countries. Verse 16, they stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations they provoked him to anger. Verse 17, they sacrificed the demons that were no gods, the gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Uh, my wife talks about uh, the elite of this country. They sacrificed to an owl. You know, and yet, of course, they, they, they preach that sacrifices are done away with, yet they're sacrificing to some false god. But anyway... Verse 18, you were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw it and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters, and he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. We don't have the kind of faith that we should have. Faith must have works. Trust must have works. That's what he's talking about, and we don't collectively. I know there's always a few, okay? But collectively, we don't want to give and, and, and work toward receiving the gift of salvation. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. What is the perversion that he's talking about? Well, let's turn to Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 16. For those who want to know what the definition of being a sodomite is, I'm trying to find it here. Deuteronomy chapter 16 is in this chapter somewhere. Yeah, uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. So pride is the first sin. Excess of food and prosperous ease. Sounds like the United States, doesn't it? But did not aid the poor and needy. That really sounds like us. We have over 46 million people right now that don't have enough food. I think it's up to 50 million people. Uh, I think our workforce is around 140 million people. And and that is a lot of people that don't have enough to eat. And that is a failure 
on the richest country in the world. We have the most billionaires in this country. And how dare we allow that to happen? But we have. So we have pride, excess of food and prosperous ease. Uh, we, we failed to aid the poor and the needy. Um, and we do various abominations, and that includes, of course, the abomination of homosexuality, bestiality, uh, all kinds of sexual perversions, uh, polygamy, uh, incest. We we do all that in this country. And then on top of that, we make movies of that stuff. Uh, we lead the world in pornography. Uh, we are one of the leaders of gambling. <laughs> I mean, we are a mess, folks. It's like I saw Mary, Bloom, Mary Bloomberg, who is a Jew, shame on him, for uh, orchestrating a marriage between two men on CNN. Me and my son saw that. That's how perverted we have become. Anyway, back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And what did we leave off here? Verse uh, 18. Oh, actually 17. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. Verse 18 of Deuteronomy chapter 32. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw it and spurned them, because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children to whom is no faithfulness. Verse 21. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. That's a prophecy that Paul explains that God will choose uh, people that aren't a part of Israel to obey his law, to obey his Torah, and that will provoke um, Israel, the Jews, along with everyone else who's a part of Israel, to start to obey the Torah. So that's 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 what he's doing. That's what he's doing as I'm speaking. Verse 22, For a fire is kindled by my anger, and it burns to the depths of Sheol. Devours the earth and has increased and sets on fire the foundations of the, of, of the mountains. So that's what will happen in the future. Verse 23, And I will heap disasters upon them. I will send my arrows on them, and they shall be wasted with hunger and devoured by the plague and a poisonous pestilence. So when God punishes you, he punishes you first. And he takes away the stay of bread, the ability for you to support yourself away from you. Food. Because... As I just read to you, food causes the problem of us forgetting about him. So what he's going to do is go to the source of the problem, take the food away from you to get you to think and say, hey, wait a minute, what's going on? I don't have any food. God, help me, you know. So it works. Anyway, verse 23, and I will heap disasters upon them. And I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger and devoured by plague and poisonous pestilence. I will send the teeth of beasts against them with the venom of things that crawl in the dust. Outdoors the sword shall bereave. And indoors terror. For young men, for young men and women alike, the nursing child with the man of gray hairs, I would have said, I will cut them to pieces, I will wipe them from human memory. Had I not feared provocation by the enemy, that not their adversaries should misunderstand it, that not they should say, Our hand is triumphant. It was not the Lord who did all this. So what he's going to do is allow uh, Israel's enemies, uh, modern enemies today, to, to overcome us economically and uh, through war. Verse 28, For they are a nation void of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. Again, he's telling us that the majority of the population of the regions I told you about, there's no real concrete understanding of why there's difficulties, and there's really no solution. Just like our government, we can't even... <laughs> We just dilly-dally back and forth about certain things that if they just obeyed the law of Moses, which is the law of God, they can easily solve. But they don't want to do that. Verse 29. If they were wise, they would understand it, as I just said. <laughs> they would discern their latter end. 
Verse 30, how could one have chased a thousand and two have put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock, the Messiah, had sold them and the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. For their vine comes from the vine of Sodom and from the field from the fields of, of Gomorrah. I just told you, read you about the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison and their clusters are bitter. Their wine is of the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasures? Vengeance is mine and, and recompense. For the time when their foot shall slip. He's talking about the people that attacked Israel. He allowed them to do that to, to get Israel to repent. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly, the people that have punished Israel. And, of course, he allowed them, it was God's tool, to punish Israel. Verse 36, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants, when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining bound or free. Then he will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they took refuge? Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and swear, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries, and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of the enemy." Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays them who hate him and cleanses his people's land. And then he says in verse 44, Moses came and recited all the words of this song in the hearing of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. And when Moses had finished speaking all the words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart, all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, the entire law, not just the Ten Commandments. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. These words are your life. That's what uh, the Messiah said in the Gospels. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess, or live longer in any land for that matter. Verse 48. That very day the Lord spoke to Moshe, Go up this mountain of Abiram, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession, and die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people, as Aaron, your, your brother, died in Mount Or and was gathered to his people. Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zen, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. So that was Moses' punishment, uh, because he did not do exactly what God told him to do. And we've got to be careful that we have to do exactly what not only God tells us to do, but our, our masters, our, our uh, bosses, when they tell us to do something, do it. Now, of course, if it's unrighteous, you're not commanded to do that. But you don't have that problem with God, God's not going to tell you to do something unrighteous. <laughs> so that's the advantage of, of obeying him versus a human leader. Uh, you have to really be on guard with a human leader because human leaders are, are, are fallible and they can make mistakes. So that is the prophetic song of Moses. It pictures what's going on today. It, it, it pictures we're a people that that we just have all this prosperity and, and we eat and we love to eat only over 60, I think it's almost close to 70% of our people are overweight. And and it shows. And when you are overweight, it affects your body and it affects your mind. You think lazily and, and, and you we focus too much on television. We focus too much on television today. And what is on television? Uh, naked house, what's this stupid thing? Uh, I'm trying to think of it. Married with housewives, or whatever the stupid thing is. Uh, all these other silly programs that do nothing but encourage you not to seek the true God and obey the true God. I can't even look at a football game without the cheerleaders looking almost naked. Uh, the commercials. It, it's just horrible the way we are living right now. No wonder that we can't focus on God when you're looking at stuff like that. 
I'm going to have to eventually, you know, I, I, I want to get rid of the television anyway, but I, I really have it here for uh, my wife likes to look at the TV and, and my son, although he's not looking at it as much as he used to either. But it, it's just getting to the point where it's so wicked that, you know, I would advise anyone to just get rid of their televisions because I, I really don't look at the television hardly at all. I really don't. I, I really never... When I became a young adult in my 20s, I, I, I really didn't focus so much on the television. What I did, I read books. There's so many uh, exciting books to read about life and, and to help you to understand the world and help you to learn how to be prosperous. I don't mean rich, but be able to, to make enough money to be able to pay your bills and have a little left over to help other people. Those are the kind of books that I'm interested in, uh, books that, that will uh, help me learn how to, because I... What I do for a living, I, I sell products and services for various companies and, and or provide leads for them. Leads are, are uh, information that tells a company that a certain uh, business or individual is interested in their products and services, and I generate those leads for them. And, and uh, that's what I do for a living, and I do the best I can to keep up with my field. And, and, and more than that, I try to do all I can to educate myself so that I can produce livable, not just any income, but livable income to take care of myself and my family and to take care of other people and to help them. And that's what you need to be focusing on, not football games and basketball games and having fun, fun, fun all day and, you know, I just want to be entertained and, and forget you. That's, that's, that's not what life's about. And that is, if you had an attitude, you have an attitude of being, uh, you have a, you're a sodomite according to what the Bible says. You're a Gomorrahite. You're, you're at ease, laying back, being lazy, being fat. Jezreel. That's the symbolic of our people today, of Israel. Where all they're located around the world, whether they're in the Middle East, and, and Canada, and the United States, uh, Britain, uh, the other countries in Northwestern Europe, and South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, and Maybe also those that are scattered around the world in poor countries that are Christians, you may have this problem as well. So that this is something that we need to pay attention to and, and take seriously here. We have to repent of this, and we've we, we got to stop being foolish. And we have to stop not having understanding. That's what the prophetic song of Moses is revealing about our people. Our people should be an example to all other people around the world, how to obey the true God of the Bible. That's what we should be. Instead, we <laughs> we are hypocrites. And we say we are a righteous nation, and yet we lead the world in pornography, or one of the leaders of pornography. We, As I'm speaking, there's probably a, a porno movie being made as I'm speaking. You know, is that righteous? That's violating... What this gentleman said, uh, Gentiles don't have to keep this law, uh, saying that uh, you should not prostitute your daughter, because if you prostitute your daughter, that will defile the land. Let's look at that, because this is a very, very serious Leviticus. This is what we have really violated this law, Leviticus chapter 19 to the core. And you telling me this was law, uh, nailed to the law, uh, nailed to the, the cross? Maybe it has. That's the reason why uh, people do it, because they believe that's been nailed on the cross. Leviticus 19, verse 29, it says, Here, do not profane your daughter by making her a prostitute, that not the land fall into prostitution, and the land become full of depravity. And it is. Our country and the other areas, especially Amsterdam, okay, in the Netherlands, they're, they're, I think they lead the world in, in pornography, something like that, um, it, it's full of depravity. You know, and and uh, that's what has occurred, and that's the reason why God is going to continue to curse those areas around the world. Uh, we got cursed with the Hurricane Irene, and then the, the New, uh, New Yorkers they they mocked that and said, "Well, we're not impressed by um, Irene," and they were very fortunate that God didn't send another hurricane out to them. And doesn't mean that He won't in the future. But we should always pray for God's mercy. And you don't want to mock God like that. Believe me, folks, I know. You don't want to mock him and make fun of his power. And he mercifully spared New York. I mean, he could allow that to be a Category 4 if he wanted to, or a 5. 
and they have the audacity to, to say that. This only confirms the song of Moses and how we act. There is a God, and he sees what's going on, folks, and, and he's gets sick and tired of what's going on. And um, I have some other scriptures I wanted to read today. looks like I might have to pick up on that next week, in particular renewed covenant scriptures I wanted to read, but uh, we have to cover that next week, it looks like. But uh, the wisdom scriptures, one scripture I wanted to, to cover, Proverbs 8, verse 13 then I may be able to cover to a Torah section too here. Proverbs 8, verse 13, the prophet section of the scriptures. And again, I apologize for being about two minutes late on the program. I thought I had a little more time to start, and I didn't, so I apologize. Proverbs 8, verse 13. This is not easy what I do, I mean, to, to prepare for these Bible studies. I do it for your benefit. I guess to my benefit, too. It helps me keep sharp, but it's also for, for your benefit as well, to keep you motivated and, and to realize that God loves you and and he does have his servants, uh, his Torah teachers out there to teach you his truth. And I'm one of them. Proverbs 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So that's how you fear God, is by hating evil. Remember that. That's very important for you to remember. So that's the uh, wisdom scripture for today. I'm going to try to quote a wisdom scripture each and every week for now on because we all need wisdom, don't we? All right, let's, I think I have, I have 13 minutes left. I, I guess I could go ahead and uh, quote the Hatar section, which is the prophetic section of the uh, Torah readings for this week. Second um, Samuel. Second Samuel. Second Samuel chapter twenty two. Beginning in verse one. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So this is another song. This is from the great King David. Verse two. And the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Okay, so it starts out with uh, the Messiah approach again. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghood and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the ways of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called from his temple. He heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth, glowing coals flamed from him. This is a prophecy, folks, because this definitely didn't happen in his lifetime. Uh, verse 10, he bowled the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a carob and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him as canopy. Thick crowds, a gathering of water out of the brightness before him. Coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning, and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. If you can picture this, it tells him. It's a picture of how powerful he is. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of, of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands he rewarded me and that's a pretty interesting scripture it says that we we can be righteous through the messiah even being righteous is a gift from god verse 22 for i have kept the ways of the lord here we go for i have kept the ways of the lord and have not wickedly departed from my god so again um, <laughs> salvation has something to do with, with doing something of course we don't earn salvation on our own we only can earn it or get it 
obtain it by the righteousness, the gift of righteousness of the Messiah through the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is called in the Gospels the helper, the comforter. We can't do it on our own. Doing righteousness on our own is filthy rags. All right, anyway. And David understood that. In verse 22, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness in his sight. On the cleanness in his sight. With the merciful, you, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you shall show yourself blameless. And with the purified, you deal purely. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. So God is going to treat you the way you treat him. That's what this is revealing. And so we better make sure that we treat God with respect. If you treat him with respect, he's going to honor you. It's like he honors his son. But if you don't, he will not honor you or respect you. Of course, that respect is different from a father as it is a son toward a father. Verse 27, with you purify, you deal purely. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 28, you have a humble people, but your eyes are on a haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. In other words, by God's help he can do, do it all. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer, and set the secure... Set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness made me great. And that's a good example there because salvation is pictured as a shield. So that just proves again that we need his help to obtain salvation. We need a shield to protect us, to give us the help, to protect us from, from the devil. Okay? And your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and they did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them, I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell upon, under my feet. For you equipped me, equipped me with the strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their back to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. David can get pretty descriptive, can't he? Anyway, you delivered me from the strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortress. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. That is a real good song, a great song from David. And it's another scripture I want to quote here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. To prove to you that the rock that was talked about is Christ, is the Messiah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were immersed or baptized into Moshe in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock, and it has in the capital uh, letter, the first uh, word of, of rock, which is R, drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Okay, so that rock is the Messiah. And of course it says here, nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Verse 6, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. 
We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put the Messiah to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble or complain, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. God hates when you complain, folks. We in this country have nothing to complain about, uh, with the exception of those poor 48 to 50 million people who don't have enough to eat. They do have legitimate complaints, and we should be hearing those complaints, and we should be helping them. Verse 11, now these things happened to them as an example, that they were written down, written down, the law of Moses was written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. How dare anyone think that the law of Moses has been nailed to the cross when they read this scripture. Verse 12, therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Okay? So this is very important that you understand that. Understand that God loves you, and he wants our people to repent of our wicked ways. And we must do what John the Baptist told us to do. I'm going to end the program with this. In Luke chapter 3, I'm going to preach his message a lot because it needs to be preached. And it's timely that the message of John the Baptist is preached about how we can change. What is the catalyst to help us change? Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. And verse 7. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. For even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and we are the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It's not talking about money. It's talking about how you treat people and how you treat God. Verse 10. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And verse 11. And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Verse 12. Tax collectors also came to be immersed or baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. In other words, don't be trying to be rich. You know, be satisfied with what you you should always try to improve. But your your purpose in life is not to get rich. And then Proverbs chapter thirty two to help you understand that comment I just made. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30 verse 8 says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. So we should be middle class or we should be in the middle. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, that not I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or at least I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. And that is the problem that was talked about in uh, the Song of Moses. Uh, when we eat, a lot of us, uh, we forget about God and say, Who is the Lord? And, and God doesn't want us doing that. So anyway, may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available next week. And uh, I will be posting the subject uh, of the, the program here, um, if not today, then, then tomorrow, and uh, you'll at least know what I'm going to talk about next week. Take care, and may God bless and keep you and protect you. Malachi chapter 4 For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. 
But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. <laughs> 